if she made that name up, she's really swinging for the fences because <laughs> that is whew, masterpiece. <laughs> My liver? I left that back on the island. We have to go back. So the jellyfish took the monkey back, and the monkey was like, bye. He runs afoul of Maui. Oh, so no. So you've probably heard of Maui. Yeah, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only connection to Maui. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of the I Should Have Known podcast, the trivia podcast that can't be trusted. Each week, our quiz master presents you with four big facts on a topic, but one of those facts is a lie. We are under the sea this month, and I will be your host this week. I'm Andy. And I'm doing a find the fake episode of sea gods. So I will present you with four sea gods, but one of them I made up. So join our other hosts, Soups and Tanner, in figuring out which one is the lie. All of them are from actual pantheons from cultures around the world. The one I made up, this one is entirely invented, but the pantheon exists. All right. Got it. We're going to start with the low hanging fruit. Okay. Okay. In the Greek tradition, mm-hmm. who is the Olympian god of the sea and what is the name of his Roman counterpart? The Greek one is Poseidon. Mm-hmm. And the Roman one is the same as the planet. Neptune. Yeah. Yeah. So Poseidon is Greek and Roman is Neptune. And specifically, that is the Olympian god of the sea. And there are like basically two sets of gods mm-hmm. where there are the primordial gods who were overthrown by Zeus and his siblings who became the Olympian gods on Olympus. So there are a ton of primordial gods of the sea in the Greek tradition, but they were all usurped and killed or done away with yeah. when Poseidon became the... Yeah. I mean, right. he's yeah. the one who prevailed. Yeah. Right. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's Greek and Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you so ready? So we're not going to talk about the Greek or Roman ones today. Just in the low-hanging fruit. Okay. Okay. God number one, Kan Yajibu Anaraf, the Himurite god of the Red Sea. Well, that's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) It's got some Egyptian god or? So it's Himurite, who were an ancient people who lived in Southwest Arabian Peninsula, which is now Yemen. Okay. They were known to the Greeks. They called them the Homerites. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've heard of Homerites. It's the same people. Yeah. So Himyar was an empire in this region. Mm-hmm. much of their territory was on the coast of the right. Red Sea. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at this one because I was like, you know, Arabia is famously a desert. So I was like, <laughs> do they have sea gods? What's the sea god <laughs> in the desert? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the god of the Red Sea. This is from pre-Islamic Arabian tradition. Mm-hmm. So there are several cultures on the Arabian Peninsula who had kind of a sort of shared, but also different pantheons of gods mm-hmm. that they worshipped before Islam. Mm-hmm. And the Himyarites call him a man. So he is a tutelary god. Tutelary. Tutelary means a protector. Oh. So he's a benevolent god. Mm -hmm. And he's also the personification of the Red Sea. Okay. So not a lot is known about this religion because not a lot of texts remain. But there were shrines to him on the coast. And we assume that you would give an offering if you were going to go out to sea. Usually these offerings were goat-shaped, and yeah, so you'd wish for good luck. Mm -hmm. That's a weird choice of animal for a (laughs) sea water god, you know? I don't know. It's like a Capricorn thing, I guess. I don't know. He's a swimming goat. (laughs) What does he look like? He looks like a human. We don't have any like specific stories of him doing activities, but there's the story of his creation. Mm. Yeah. So their highest veneration is for the goddess of the sun, the moon, and Venus. 
Okay. So Venus and the moon were male, and Shams was the sun goddess. She's the patron god of Himyar, so these people that we're talking about. And she gave birth, I don't know exactly to who, but it said that the blood from her birth flowed and became the Red Sea. Oh. Because the Red Sea has like red algae in it. Okay. So it kind of looks like blood in the fall. Or in other traditions, it's Kan Yajibu Anyarav who is giving birth. Oh. And that's her blood. So the gender switch. Mm-hmm. It makes sense though but, why yeah. it's connected with that water. Because mm-hmm. it's the Red Sea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know much about the Red Sea or this area in general. But I, I have never heard of this culture. Yeah. yeah, I haven't. I mean, I know about this empire. Yeah. It's the first time I'm hearing about this god. Yeah. I'm kind of skeptical of it, partly because I've never heard of it, but I'm sure I'm not <laughs> going to have heard of any of these. But like, I've never heard of these people. Yeah. The other thing that stands out to me, if this were to be fake, the name itself. <laughs> so that's where I could like, you know, okay, this could be fake. Yeah. Like this is the name that you made up. If she made that name up, she's really swinging for the fences. <laughs> that is whew, masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But we're only down God number one. Yeah. God number two is Rujin, the Shinto dragon king of the sea. Okay, so we're in Japan. This one is Japan. Yes, we are in Japan. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Shinto is like the traditional religion of Japan Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. Buddhism. Ryujin is a dragon, like literally a dragon. Mm -hmm. And he lives on a palace of red and white coral at the bottom of the sea. Oh, cool. He is also a tutelary god. He is considered the guardian of the sea and a benevolent god. Mm -hmm. He controls the tides using the tide jewels. Sure. There are a lot of stories about him. Are there depictions? Does yes. he look like the stereotypical Chinese dragon where yeah. it's really, really he is long? He's the East Asian style dragon, long, skinny, serpent-esque, but then has like a almost lion-headed face mm-hmm. kind of thing. Cool. He is credited with singing a Mongolian flotilla sent by Kublai Khan. Oh. And also for defeating the Korean fleet when Japan went to invade Korea. Uh-huh. He used his tide jewels to help Japan win. Oh, he is very protective. Mm-hmm. And he's, of course, also considered to be an ancestor of the Japanese imperial family. Oh, yeah. because they're descendants. They of, all are. Yeah, of yes. course. <laughs> the King. Can you tell us about the Shinto pantheon a little bit? Is he at the head of it? There isn't as like clear of a pantheon in the Shinto religion. It's more individualized. So you would have like a specific god who's like your idol that you would worship to. And there are many shrines all over Japan mm-hmm. to Rujin specifically. Oh. You would go and ask favors of whatever particular god you wanted to. A lot of the myths around him are animal related. There's kind of a famous Japanese myth of how the jellyfish lost its bones. That's Rujin? Yeah, he is the dragon king who tasks the jellyfish with trying to get a monkey liver. But the jellyfish gets tricked by the monkey. So Mm. it captures a monkey from the island. And the jellyfish is bragging like, I got the monkey. I'm going to get the liver for the dragon king. And the monkey's like, my liver? I left that back on the island. We have to go back. So the jellyfish took the monkey back. And the monkey was like, bye, I'm not coming back in the water. And so... The story goes that as punishment, Rujin removed all of the jellyfish's bones. Wow. Either magically or by beating, beating. the shit out of yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> Depending I think, on... I think, I think it's the second thing. Yeah. That's a pretty famous Japanese myth. Okay. I've heard this story. 
dragons fit with Japanese culture. I don't see many areas where this yeah. could be a lie. Between the first and the second, I think this is more believable. Yeah, just because it's more familiar. Yeah, I think I'm fairly confident. I'm leaning towards believing that one, but we're only halfway done. Okay, god number three, Sedna, the Inuit goddess of the sea and queen of the dead. Oh, interesting, the Inuit. So the Inuit people, if you don't know, are various peoples of the far north. North America, Greenland, but also in Finland and northern Russia mm-hmm. and the Arctic. So Sedna is kind of the more famous name, but different groups of Inuit people have different names. In Greenland, she has a different name. And the myths vary a little bit, but they all agree on a couple key things. So one is that Sedna is not nice. <laughs> Sedna is mean. <laughs> oh, no. She is typically depicted as a crone. Okay. It's an old woman. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she's shown as kind of a mermaid, sometimes a walrus mermaid. I was going to ask what an ice mermaid would be, and I guess a walrus really fits. Yeah, yeah. So she's a walrus. She has long, flowing black hair and no fingers. Oh, Mm. no. She has no fingers. It's not frostbite, is it? No, it's related to her origin myth. Uh So Sedna was a beautiful young maiden once, and there's a whole bunch of things about whether she would marry at all if she gets seduced by a bird spirit or where she spites her father by shunning all of his suitors and marrying a dog. Some stories she just is just hanging out with her family. But what happens is they're all on a kayak or a boat of some kind, and there's a storm. And her father... Tosses her overboard. Oh, no. So as she tries to climb back onto the boat and grasps the edge of the boat, he chopped her fingers off and she sank into the sea and her fingers became sea animals. Oh. So the first seals or lots of other kinds of sea animals, especially big mammals. So then she sank into the bottom of the sea and now rules over Adlivun, which is the unreachable ice palace. That she rules from. At the bottom of the sea. Where the dead go. Nice. Oh, that's an awesome story. Yeah. 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 So if you want to gain her favor, you have to comb her hair because she has no fingers to do it herself. Oh, Uh, that's so cute. (laughs) Okay. Gain her favor. It's goth little mermaid. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So she's also the goddess of the dead. She's queen of the dead. Queen of the dead because she rules where the dead go. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. So she's not like the devil where she's totally bad. No. She's just mean. She has a lot of similarities with Hades or Pluto in the Greek pantheon where she is queen of the dead, rules over the dead, kind of goth and angry, but like isn't exactly evil like a devil. Right. Mm. Right. Okay. Okay. Pretty creative if you made that up. (laughs) I I like the whole part about like the dad just going crazy. Chopping her fingers. Chopping her fingers. That's a pretty cool origin story. Yeah. Yeah. And then the creation of all the animals too. Right. That's really cool. I think that's very Andy revealed that this is fake. This is very creative. (laughs) But that's cool. I would think that the Inuit people would have a god of the sea. They go out on the water all the time. There's ice. Yeah, for sure. Yes. All right, last one. God number four, Te Tuna, the Polynesian god of eels. We know this is a seafaring culture. They definitely would have a god of the sea. So I say Polynesian because several different cultures within this region have different myths related to this god. He is not only god of eels, he is a giant eel. Oh, no way. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And by this region, you mean the Pacific? Yes. So Mm -hmm. the islands of the Pacific. Most of what I have is from the Tahitian tradition and the Maori. 
Cool. Yeah, so he's a giant eel. Oh, my God. And he either is married to or is attracted to Hine or Hina, who is a goddess. And he runs afoul of Maui. Oh, no. So you've probably heard of Maui. Yeah, Dwayne Mm. the Rock Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only connection to Maui. You're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, precisely. Yeah, so Maui is one of the main characters in Moana. Mm -hmm. In the Tahitian tradition, his wife leaves him because she's like, I don't want to be with the giant eel anymore. (laughs) And she like tries to hook up with these other guys and they're all afraid of her ex. Except Maui. He does not fear Taituna. So they get into a duel. The rules of the duel are that you can't hit the other one on the outside. So you have to kill them from the inside. Well, that's a weird rule. (laughs) Well, so then Maui, the story goes that he shrank himself down. And then got into Tetuna's head and went normal size and exploded his yeah. head. Tetuna yeah. was never going to win that. That, yeah. that was yeah. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So depending, on, again, on your tradition, in the Tahitian tradition, Hine and Maui buried the pieces of Tetuna's head and from it sprang the coconut tree. Oh. So he's also a god of coconuts. Well, that's random. Uh, is is that why coconuts are hard outside and soft inside? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. Okay, I like that. Yeah. The Maori version I don't like as much. It's pretty rapey. Oh. But Maui kills him in that as well, and the pieces become various fish, especially mm. eels. Okay. So it's a little different in the Maori tradition. Yeah, you can imagine what a giant eel god would represent or be symbolic of. Is he good or mean? No, he's seen as kind of like a monster. Oh. Because usually when you hear of myths about Maui, it's like he's the hero. He's kind of like a Hercules Hercules Mm -hmm. character. He's the kind of hero. He goes out. He has to do a bunch of different tasks in order to redeem himself. Yeah. And one of them is killing Teytuna, the giant eel. So he's like the Nemean lion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's kind of more of a monster than like a true god. But I just thought he was cool as a giant eel. It's pretty cool. Okay. Hmm. God of eels. Yeah. I mean, this one sounds right. Yeah, I could imagine that these cultures have a god of eels. Sure, why not? It's also pretty out there. Like, none of the other ones were a monster. Like, I guess a dragon, but not like you want someone to destroy it. Yeah. What I really liked about these four gods is that they're all in a spectrum. They're Mm -hmm. like all have like range of emotions. Right. Yeah. You got the benevolent, the protectors of a certain culture, but also kills monkeys. You have, yeah, all different types. Yeah. Yeah. I think it speaks to the duality of the sea. Yeah. Is that to humans, the sea is both this life sustaining place, Mm -hmm. but also a very dangerous and unpredictable place. And so it makes sense that gods would be similarly unpredictable. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, so we have to guess one of the gods that you made up. But before we do, could you just remind us of the four gods? Yeah. God number one, Kan Yajibu Anyarath, the Himyarite god of the Red Sea. God number two, Ryujin, the Shinto dragon king of the sea. God number three, Sedna, the Inuit goddess of the sea and queen of the dead. And God number four, Tetuna, Polynesian god of eels. One of those is fake. Wow, you did a really good job because none of them <laughs> jumps out as mm. fake to me. 
Well, I will remind you, all the pantheons are real. Yes. Right. It's a god. I think it's between two and three. Okay. I'm leaning more towards three. Yeah. The Inuit. The Inuit. Yeah. Yes. Setna. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling about this. I really <laughs> like that story. Yeah. yeah I yeah. feel like there were some parts where I was like, this sounds like a story she would make up. Which one were you thinking? To be honest, I'm still kind of stuck on the first one. Okay. But I feel like the second one is in there to trip mm-hmm. me up. Yes. It's very easy for me to believe that. Yeah. But maybe it's from Dragon Ball Z. Maybe it's from <laughs> yeah, some other I know, thing. Right? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's the dragon. Okay. I think it's number three. Okie doke. The fake god is, unfortunately for me, Khan Yajibu Anyara, <laughs> god number one. No way. As far as I could tell, there are absolutely zero sea gods in the pre-Islamic Arabian mythology. Wow. And if you know Arabic. I was wondering if the name was Arabic. You might notice. I kind of butchered it a bit, you know, I'm sure. But Khan Yajibu Anyara roughly means I should have known. No. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well played. Well played. Yeah. It's a rough translation. Oh, that's so good. I should have done my Duolingo lesson for Arabic this morning. So the Semitic cultures, which many of these groups are considered part of Mm pre-Judaism, pre-Christianity and pre-Islam, they worship the stars. Mm. The okay. stars are most important to them. Like you were so, saying, the moon and the sun So that and was Venus. true. The moon, the sun, and Venus are usually considered the top gods and goddesses in that mythology. But yeah, it's mostly the stars that they care about. So gods have short names. Mm-hmm. How can you pray to <laughs> Kanjaribun Ansharaf? Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. too long. Yeah. You know? It's just too long of a god yeah. name. But I thought it sounded kind of godlike. It definitely does. But yeah. also her name is longer than Shams. That's just the short version. Oh, okay. Oh, I made up the origin story. That oh, was entirely the invented. Sea? The Red Sea is red. It looks like blood. I was like, oh, that's from birth. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of cultures refer to the water breaking in birth. That's where the waters come from. Oh. Or like It's kind of a common theme. So water goddesses are also often often related to fertility. So I was like, oh yeah, it's blood from giving birth. Wow. Mm-hmm. I made that up. That's great. Well, I should have known. I should have known. Thanks for listening to this episode of the I Should Have Known podcast. We'll be continuing with our under the sea theme for the rest of the month. And as always, thanks for listening. I want a monkey.